0: The crowd starts to cheer this boy home from Ballarat. Steve Monaghetti, 5th in the Olympic Games and 4th in the World Championships in the Marathon. Earlier this year, the whole of Australia watching when he's finished 2nd in the London Marathon. And today he wins his 2nd city to surf. About 40 minutes and 33 seconds. That is running of the highest quality. It'd be nice for the confidence if I could uh, put in a good one here.
1: Roll up, roll up, welcome back to another episode of the Marathon Mystery Tour. My name's Dave Robertson, and I'm joined by Steve Monigetti. as always. Mono, welcome back. Hi, Robbo. Yeah, good to be back.
0: We're still alive, we're still
1: surviving. That's a, the mystery continues. It does, it does continue, and uh, we've survived that difficult second episode, which uh, all recording artists will sympathize with us getting through that difficult second album so uh, we're going from strength to strength and here we are with episode three so um, it's been fun.
0: Third time lucky.
1: That's right and I think people are still listening too so big thanks to everyone that's tuned in so far wherever and however you've, you've tuned in it's great to have you on board and we look forward to uh, taking you through another episode of the Marathon Mystery Tour this week and a uh, Mono, a couple of other podcasts. I don't know if you if you get into much other running related podcasts, but a couple to give a shout out to the Park Run Adventurers. I had a quick chat on that uh, episode last week, which is which is a bit of fun. So you can check that one out for all your Park Run adventuring tips and hints. And the other one is the Inside Running podcast. The boys doing a great job over there as well. So there's a couple to uh, keep you going if you're not getting enough of a hit from us here on this show. But Mono, I'd like to chat to you a little bit about uh, the city to surf this week. It is city to surf this weekend. It's the forty eighth edition of the very famous event here in Australia, held down in Sydney. I know you've run it a few, a few times, mate. I wanted to start by asking you when when did you first uh, know about the event?
0: I think uh, you know, obviously, my my ultimately my coach Chris Wardlaw. Um, I, I think he. Had a win, and kind of it was the rite of passage for that era through the 70s and 80s. So I became aware of it probably through him, and, and then obviously Rob Degastella winning and seeing it on TV, and that sort of big um, bearded, bearded larrikin that <laughs> Deke was in his early days. So I think we all remember vision of, um, you know, that's that beautiful run down into the finish. So I'd probably picked it up firstly on T V to be honest. And obviously I'd you know I'd started running in the seventies and, and that's when events such as The City to Surf were starting to find their way.
1: And you managed over the years to to win the event four times and get the course record, Breaking Deeks. Ten year old course record from nineteen eighty one. Forty oh three, is that correct? That's spot on, yep. Yeah. Very good. And and so uh, what, when was your first time that you ran it and how did that go?
0: Well I I can actually give you a scoop, nobody knows this and I don't <laughs> kind of um, tell people this but I actually I, I tell people I only ever ran it four times and you know won at four times and um, initially sorry, um, obviously I went back a few times later on. I think I've ended up probably doing, god seven or eight, maybe yep. more than that but I actually ran one for Glenn Huntley in the I reckon in the sort of mid-80s when I was finding my way, they uh, they had a team going up to the city to surf. Trevor Vincent organised it um, and they someone couldn't go so they asked me if I wanted to come up with them. So we trekked up and I don't know where I finished, in the 50s I think, um, somewhere in the, in the masses and... Um, so then when I went back and, and finally, you know, obviously, I got on sort of in the elite section, it was a bit of a different experience, to mm. be honest, you know, being looked after and, and then obviously um, winning it and then winning it and um, comfortably and then winning it, breaking the record and then going back a few other times to just run it as a sort of a retired athlete and once with a microphone even, which um, <laughs> people still talk about now. So I've had a, a mixed um a lot of different experiences at Sydney, so it's one of my favourite events, and uh, you know, it's uh, just become an institution.
1: The um, the microphone one does stand out. A lot of people still chat to me about that one as well. What rough? You remember what year that was, and how how did that all come about?
0: Oh, God, don't ask me, I think it was about <laughs> 2003, and it's a great story, I mean, I don't know how long we've got, but yep. um, uh, I was kind of doing, I was mixing, you know, I hadn't run a lot, because, you know, I'd run through the 90s in my own, you know, going off to international events, so I hadn't really had a chance to run a lot of the, the city to surfs, and um, anyway, the organisers were keen on, Kenny Bark was keen on me running, and a guy, um, um, John Palmer, who was doing the TV, wanted me to commentate. And there's kind of always this fight between, you know, wanting to get me to run and wanting me to commentate. Anyway, I said, yep. oh, why don't I do both? You? <laughs> you know, and they, they said, oh, really? Oh, OK. I hadn't really thought about that. So John said, leave it with me. And he actually sort of did a bit of digging around. It had never really been done before. And he, he got a, the NRL refs wore this sort of um, microphone set up, a, a big sort of belt around their waist. But I had to be near a a motorbike to get signal up to the satellite and stuff. Anyway, it was quite complicated. Anyway, sort of got to me um, a few days before and said, "Oh, look, I think we can get this happening." And we went to the press conference on the Friday, and um, I'm up on the front desk, and John's up the back, and you know we're sort of chatting away, and um, they asked me, you know, how it's going. I said, "Oh, I'm still going pretty well. You know, I'm retired, but you know, I'm still doing a lot of work and still going pretty well." Anyway, we got to the end of it, and John said. You're, you're a chance of winning this, aren't you? And I said, oh, no, I'm not going to win, but I'll be in the top sort of four or five. He said, oh, mate, I didn't realise you were still going that well. Don't worry about wearing the, you know, all this um, this get-up, it'll just slow you down and impact it. And I said, no, no, mate, fine, I don't care. Let's give it a go. He said, are you sure? I said, yeah, yeah, no worries. Anyway, we're on the start line and... I'm wearing, and I had to put, this, it was quite heavy, this, um, it was like a, like a sort of a battery pack yep. I had to carry, and I'm sitting there, trying to get it all organised on the start line, anyway, gun goes, and off we go, and I got it done, and obviously I was very competitive, I and mean, it was a really weird experience, because I was running along with the earpiece in my ear, talking to Paddy Carroll, I think it was, and um, I think it might have been Lisa On Diecki or um, Gary Clues. Anyway, it was it was all happening, and they were pumping me up, saying how well I was going. And I'm, and I'm talking, and these runners beside me are looking at me like I'm an idiot, sort of talking to myself and um, wondering what I was going on. And then it got down; there was only a couple of tenths of me with a couple of k to go, so I was in the race. I was going to win the damn thing, and they're going, "You're going to win! It's going to be the greatest win ever!" And I'm loving this in my earpiece, and anyway, I gave a bit of. Good feedback for people at home, and I said to Tanzanians, Oh, one guy, um, he was just waiting for me, um, and waiting for his mates, sorry, not waiting for me. Yeah. As it turns out, then I said, Oh, look, they're about to kick away, and away they went. Yeah. And um, about a k to go, they took off, and I <laughs> finished third, and I predicted it, and apparently, you know, gave people listening in and watching just some really good insight to an elite athlete, and I got unbelievable feedback, and to this day, people still talk about it. So it's one of the best <laughs> things I've ever done,
1: I reckon. I'm not sure. I was scouring YouTube to find uh, some footage of it. I don't know if you own own the tape of it yourself or if you know where to find it because uh, I I'd, I'd love to be able to watch it again.
0: Maybe we've destroyed it, <laughs> never to be seen again. It must have been that
1: bad. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I've just found it. So 2004. I'm just looking at the results here now. Patrick Nyangolo from Tanzania got the win in 41.04. Oh, yep. Dixon Good Marwa. and there's Steve Monteghetti 41.19, with the headpiece. So, yeah, Yeah, just ahead of Shane Nancurvis. How
0: old
1: was I? The age of 42. I was still going pretty well. (laughs) You knocked off Scotty Westcott in sixth place with 42.02, and Marty Dent in eighth place, 42.21. So, there you go. (laughs) Got huh. a couple of scalps. Got a couple yeah, so of had some
0: great experiences, you know, that, I remember, I think my classic story, um, I, people know about the time clock, but it, there's another one, um, another one where I um, remember catching up with these couple of guys at a function, and um, I was up in Sydney, and they're saying, oh, mate, you know, we really hope you get the record, and they're really taking personal interest in, um, in me getting the record, yep. this was before I'd broken it, and, um And I said, you guys, you are, I cannot believe how supportive of me are you. I'm really, you know, I'm tickled pink that I I didn't realise there was such great support for me out there. And they go, no, 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 it's not that, mate. What happens is we have a barbie every morning of the race. We're not allowed to open our first beer until the lead runner comes past. Mate, we're getting a bit thirsty, so can you run a bit quicker? (laughs)
1: It wasn't about me at all. Very good. No, there you go. Well, and for the benefit of those that haven't heard the story too much, because I, I have, have heard it and, and have enjoyed it, but yeah, you run in 1991, so set the scene. Rob De Costella has the record. He's had it since 1981 and, you know, one of the most revered figures in Australian running. 40.08, I think it stood at. Uh, and then you come along on this day uh, and you... you you're in good shape, obviously, 1991. And tell us how, how the race unfolded and then your mindset uh, uh, thinking about the record and thinking about how that time went and what happened with the clock.
0: Sure. So, Robert, it was great. Uh, I'd, I'd had a few goes at it. And, you know, the first one, you just want to win. But then after I'd sort of established myself, I was really keen on not just winning but breaking Rob's record. And um, anyway, I hadn't, I'd hadn't. i had a few windy days. And I'd, I think I'd ran close to, I think, I, I think, my three out of the top five all-time times were mine or something. So I'd had a pretty good go at it. Anyway, they decided for the 10th anniversary that they would put a $50,000 bonus on the men's and women's records if um, if we broke them. Lisa Ondiecki was running, going well, and myself and... um uh, so that was a bit of incentive, I've got to say. Yeah. And anyway, I was in good shape and focused on and up and, up and about and ready to go. And um, I got away pretty early. The day was, was a cracking day, so things were all aligned. And I remember coming around. That we had the lead car, you know, with the clock on the top. And remember coming around... Um, uh, God, uh, Marine Parade or whatever, the last big, we don't do it anymore, the big swooping bend. And I knew when we turned off the, the road and onto the last bit and it was a minute to the finish line. And I had a look at the clock and it it was um, under 30. And I'm thinking, gee, I'm a chance here. So I'm kicking, going for it, running home and come under the finish line and I just look across at the clock as the car sort of veers off and I, I see... Um, Thirty nine, fifty six, fifty seven, fifty eight across the line, and I'm thinking, unbelievable, fantastic. I've not only have I, um, you know, got the fifty grand because I've broken the record. I've won. I've I've actually run under forty minutes, so it is just it, I've got the trifecta. It's just the greatest day ever. Anyway, the guy jumps out of the car and runs over, and I'm thinking, isn't that nice? He's run over. Give me a nice. Be the first one to congratulate me. And anyway, he's got this look on his face and he comes home and he says, Oh, look, before you get too carried away, there's a problem with the clock. And I said, Oh, how? He said, Yeah, yeah, I forgot to, I forgot to push the button when the gun went. And I go, Oh, mate, this is a very serious conversation. How how long did it take you to push the button? He said, Oh, no, no, it's okay. we only, with only like five seconds, mate, so uh, you're okay. (laughs) So officially it um it went to forty oh three. That was the actual time. And uh still broken the records. I still got the bonus and had the win and all that sort of stuff. But in my mind I saw that clock at, at 39.50, yes. 7.58, and I kind of feel like I've been cheated, because I reckon I feel like i ran under 40 minutes, yep. so whilst that record stood for however many years, 20-something years, I still feel like I was cheated,
1: it's so to... I'm,
0: I'm <laughs> waiting for someone at least to break it, and then I can um, relax and say, well, thank God someone has gone under 40 <laughs> minutes at
1: last. Get it out of your system, and... Um... Uh, yeah. yeah, so sub sub 40, and that's the other thing, I went looking for vision of that too, Mona, and I, I couldn't find anything there as well, I, you know, so if you can, really? if, if anyone can help us, yeah, I can find the 1990 win, and a few years later, but the 1991, uh, it's not in the public domain, as far as I can tell anyway, so some listeners might be able to help us and and find some footage of that and see Mona breaking breaking 40 at the city to surf, but uh yeah, and you mentioned a bit about the prize bonus there, very handy, as you mentioned, but um that's something that's been talked about in recent years i know and and uh the focus uh, the shift I guess a little bit away from the the focus on the elites and uh and prize money and things but what what sort of cash did you did you get mono back in the day just for your standard uh win do you recall on a on a normal year
0: ah. Oh. I seriously don't think we got anything. I think we might have got a smear is or okay. I know I got a nice trophy, but, Yep. um I don't think I, I did get paid. I've got to declare I did get paid for doing some promotional work prior to the event. Yep. But um I I'm not sure. Maybe a couple of grand. I Robert, I really don't yeah. know. and you know what? It didn't bother me because no. for me it was about winning the race. So yes. I was obviously making money, running overseas races and all that, but it's a rite of passage. Everybody, every elite athlete in Australia wants to have their name on that men's and women's trophy. And, um, you know, that's that's how it should be. It's it's a fantastic event. It's tough. It's got tradition. The name's on there. You know, it's just a wonderful event. And every athlete should aspire to participate in the city to surf and hopefully, you know, have the dream of maybe one day adding their name to, to the list. It's, um, it's, a, it's a who's who of
1: Australian distance running. That's right, it's coming up this Sunday, the second Sunday of August. So it'll be Sunday the twelfth. And good luck to everyone that's taking part. And Mono, for those that are listening that are maybe lining up for their first ever one, I guess a couple of tips from you, if you don't mind, in terms of how to how to tackle the event. I, I remember running it last year and Feeling like I was absolutely spent after about five Ks, uh, but there are it, it ebbs and flows a little bit. But yeah, what what are some tips that you'd give a first timer?
0: Well, to remember that it does, you know, point to points downhill. So there is a lot of downhill. So just be aware, um, you know, that your legs are going to get smashed running the downhill. So there's not a lot of flat sections, there's mm. a bit around um um, Rose Bay and that's about it the rest of it's pretty up and down and so couple of things in your first one people always say when they go under the. tunnel, remember Lloyd I never did it but Lloydy said when he went under the tunnel after about a K you go under the tunnel under King's Cross he said he looked back just to it See that view of a, the mass of people. So mm. don't everyone turn back, otherwise
1: a lot of people <laughs> fall over. But if you get a
0: chance, just sneak a peek over your, yep. over your um, back over your shoulder and see that, uh, that wave of human humanity stretching down the road. So that's yep. a good tip. And then the other thing I think everyone um, tells me is that uh, you know, once you get over Heartbreak Hill, you think all the hills are done. Yep. But there's some pretty tough hills up Military Drive and a couple of other of the back roads. So just be prepared that the race isn't over at the top of Heartbreak Hill. You've still got a lot of work to do. And and then when you finish your first one, just, you know, it's a, it's a bloody super event, mate. So just enjoy crossing the finish line and ticking the box on having completed the city to the surf. Because like I say to people, you only ever finish your first one once.
1: That's it. So enjoy it, folks. And uh, yeah, good tips there. One other thing I noticed uh, having run it the last couple of, last few years, Mono, coming up from Rushcutters Bay, you're into the suburb of Edgecliff. And just on your left-hand side, if you pay attention, there is actually a street named after you, mate. Uh, Mono Street. I think is in there, M-O-N-A, yeah, right. and uh, did you, was that was that something to no, do with they, really they put that in? Say,
0: Monor, uh, <laughs> yeah, they changed the name, yeah, that's right. That's, they put it in
1: there just in my <laughs> honour, I'm sure. That's right, so make sure you... you Don't know. stop there, though. Keep <laughs> going to the finish. <laughs> exactly right. But now, as always here on the Marathon Mystery Tour, it's not just about running, Monab, you and I both have a a passion for music, and we love chatting about that, and you've shared some great stories uh, in the last couple of episodes, specifically linked to City to Surf. Have you got anything that comes to mind in terms of music on the course, any observations, any stories, anything that you've noticed, uh, either when you've raced or when you've watched it on telly or or various things? It is an event that's famous for having various uh, bands along the way. Any any little uh, any little gems, mate, in terms of the musical side of the event?
0: Yeah, well, and one of the uh, that's one of the attractions. Uh, you know, they always pride themselves on having a lot of entertainment out on the course. And I think people just go down there of their own volition. I don't think some of it's not even organised. <laughs> but um, I do remember um, people, you know, love getting dressed up as well. And my best league, this is it's very tenuous, yep. but I remember running up military drive one year and I'm winning and I'm away. Some idiot jumping in and running with me for about 50 metres, which is very, very annoying. Really (laughs) annoying having people sticking it to you at that stage of the race. And so I was thinking, you know, people get dressed up in, I think it was a Superman suit, that one, but in different animals. So, you know, we could go like an animal suit. So I'm going a tiger suit. So I'm going that great running song that gets people motivated by the
1: tiger. Ah, very good. Well, let's have a listen to it now. Get you fired up for your run on Sunday. Well, Monet, thanks very much for a great chat here on the Marathon Mystery Tour once again. We've covered the city to surf there today and got some of your great stories. I'm looking forward to lacing up myself down there uh, this weekend. I've got a bit of a a tradition going. I've run it four times, and each time so far I've run quicker each time. So the pressure's on to try and continue that streak. I am going to have to pull something out pretty good to to match my time from last year. where I did manage to sneak under 50 minutes for the first time, so wish me luck, mate, and I'll be making up time on those downhills I reckon, but we'll see how it goes.
0: Yeah. Oh, your speed will serve you well. Just a little tip,
1: only improve it by a second or two because then it makes it easier to improve next year. Perfect. I'll, 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 try, I'll Good definitely, luck, mate. I'll definitely aim for that. Thanks, Moner, and thanks, uh, everyone, again, for listening. Hope you've enjoyed Episode 3. Have a great run, all those running the city to surf. And if you're not running, we'll have a great run over the weekend. And, uh, and keep enjoying it, and we'll catch you again soon. Come through, and to do it, PB, you've been a runner all your life, and you've always wanted to go sub fifty at the City to surf. How does it feel? A lot of hard work. Well, mate, you've been calling it Christmas for runners for years, and I feel like I just opened my first present on Christmas Day. Good on you, mate. Mate,
0: well, well done. Go and open about a thousand beers. You deserve it, big fella. <laughs> well done. Go and celebrate.